Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. In the words of Skip Carter, there's some weird shit going down here, and it's not the Gammas, and it's not the BZTs. That's true, there is some weird shit going on down here. So, Liam, I'm going to set a scene for you, okay? Okay, I'm ready. It's, it's really, really hot out today, correct? Yeah, my, my partner just got home from work and kissed me on the forehead and said, you're Dewey. Just like everyone's favorite cop, <laughs> Dewey. Yeah, may, maybe she was just like, from now on, I am your new nickname is Dewey because Honestly, we, what I talk honor. about Scream so much. What Might not honor. have had anything to do with the heat. <laughs> you know, when I was in, when I was in uh, probably the fifth grade, there was a dude in my class that just came to school one day, and he just started telling everyone to call him Dewey. He was like, "That's did it that's, work? That's my name now. It absolutely worked." That, that dude <laughs> is the only person I know to have successfully orchestrated uh, a self-proclaimed nickname, and he was Dewey all the way until he. He eventually disappeared when I was in the ninth grade. Like <laughs> he uh, renounced it and vanished into the woods. I, honestly, I went to gym class one day and I was like, "Yo, where's Dewey?" And the other kids were like, "Oh, dude, he he's been gone for like three months." And I was like, "Oh shit!" How no you one knows. Out on so much. Dewey? No one knows where he went. I just missed out on Dewey. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he became Dewey. I I thought that it was because School of Rock was big around that time. Is there a and Dewey Jack, in that? Jack Black's character in there is named Dewey. So hmm. I I thought that's what it was, but. Maybe we have to get him on the podcast to to get more insight. I'm not sure. But yeah, Dewey, powerful name. If you're listening, tune in. So it's real hot. It's real gross. And, uh, you know, the ghoulies are heading to college. And so we're we're picking up one of our extracurriculars here, which is this podcast. And, uh, and Mitch actually sent in a doctor's note, which is what you need to get out of school and your school extracurriculars that says it's too hot. And he simply can't podcast today. So it's just us. This is like when um, your school closes on a snow day um, mm. or a PA day, oh, but you live really close to the days. school and your parents take you in oh, anyway. Oh, did that ever happen to you? It didn't, but I know people that it happened to. Oh, that's rough. I lived so close to both my schools and both times my parents were like, you're good, man. Stay home. So I, I feel for those kids. Though sometimes I went to school not knowing it was a snow day. And because I lived so close and I wasn't relying on the buses, uh, I would show up to school and the halls would be like vacant. I'd be like, what the heck is going on? And neither me or my parents knew it was a snow day. And then I was either stuck at school or i'd have to walk home in what was probably a lot of snow probably yeah wow i i was bus reliant especially in high school before any of us could drive uh because the school was like 30 minutes away on the bus wow i figured that there were like no buses where you were from i figured it was small the high enough. school was in the other town wow yeah i did not know that that's yeah. that's wild 30 minute bus ride um well because it had like stops and stuff wow Maybe a little bit less than that. I don't totally remember, but yeah, we were like the last one. Man, we hit the road. As a kid, thirty-minute bus ride would be massive. Now that I live in the city, Yo. like a thirty-minute bus ride seems like nothing. But yeah, thirty minutes of a childhood day is a lot. There were kids in my grade whose bus rides were like an hour and fifteen minutes. Yes, yeah. Oh, I had some kids like that too. They had to wake up at like four a.m. and come in from a reserve out of town, and it wasn't even a bus ride; it was a van ride for like the six kids that lived way out there. Dude, it's so long. I feel for those kids. Fuck. Um. So what happened today for us is that we got driven to school, and uh, the only thing that they had for us to do was watch the movie Ghoulies Three: Ghoulies Go to College. That's how we got here. Man, if I were ever a teacher, that would be one of my school movies. You know how there's like a list of like school yeah. movies? Freaky Friday was one. There's like uh, two scenes you could tactically cut out of this. And the rest of it's basically fine. And then, yeah, it becomes a snow day movie. What were some school day movies for you? They would I often get Finding Nemo in French class a lot. Yes, me too. Finding Nemo was always <laughs> French class for me. I don't even think they put the French dub on or anything either. I don't know why the <laughs> French teachers just had it. But. I'm trying to see if I can think of anything else. One of my favorite stories is that I went to Catholic schools and in Catholic high school one time in a religion class with a religious teacher, we watched Jurassic Park just kind of because. I still don't know why. I don't remember why. 
man, we should have got that teacher on the Jurassic just Park a weird, 3 episode. Just a weird, weird series of events. Ask him about it. Maybe we can bring that teacher on for uh, Jurassic World I don't know what she's 3. doing, but maybe, yeah. She's sitting around waiting for an invite is what she's doing. Maybe. I'm trying to think about others that came in all the time. I don't remember watching a ton of movies. Um, Would you say most of your movie watching in school came from stuff like snow days, PD days, last day of school, that sort of thing? Or was it stuff that's relevant to the class? I mean, middle of the semester, they show stuff, it to you. Stuff that got shown relevant to classes, I don't remember because that was just like curriculum, right? So like, it's not like you would watch that every year on a specific day or something. But if it was just like, you're in a law class and we're watching 12 Angry Men or something. Yeah, that's like, a good school movie. A lot of English teachers showed Dead Poet Society. Oh, um, we watched an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet that I had never heard of. And I've never seen anyone else talk about ever again in ninth grade English. Just, and it wasn't like the Baz Luhrmann fun one. Uh, it was just like a historically accurate in terms of setting. I think from the 70s. Romeo and Juliet adaptation. Man, I guess they had to scramble to find one where Olivia Hussey isn't naked or something. There was nudity in it. Oh yeah? Yes. Oh man, what was that teacher on about? Even more, it seemed even more maybe not for children. Well, we weren't children, but like you know what I mean? Like it was it was a whole thing. There was a really specific bit that uh happened actually. And I don't know how I cultivated this reputation. I can't believe I'm actually going to tell this story, but as the nudity occurred on screen, multiple people in my class turned and reached their hands out to cover my eyes, and everybody was reacting like, Corey can't be allowed to see this. And this was in a Catholic school, right? Yeah, hold like on. Some, they decided that you were the most Catholic of the Catholic boys. <laughs> and I super wasn't, so like, <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. Give me one second. I want to see if I can. Somebody made a meme out of this at the time. I'm going to see if I can find the Facebook link and send it to you. Maybe they were doing it because you were the least Catholic of the Catholic boys. And like, so that's the subversion. That's the joke. Did I make it? I might have made it. Hold on. <laughs> Dude, that's some Dewey type ish. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put it in the group chat so, so Mitch can see it without context. <laughs> I might have made this. This was okay, made in December so, 2011. So let me let me describe this. So <laughs> uh, we have a picture of a smiling 15-year-old white kid. It's not Corey, but uh, it, it could be mistaken for Corey, I suppose. And there's big block white impact meme font. text. Impact font uh, with black outlines. Your classic meme. On the top, it says, saw first boobs. And then you kind of see his smiling face beneath that text. And then beneath it, while watching Romeo and Juliet in class. <laughs> And then in the comment on the post, Corey says, also call me Dewey. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird connection. But um, people were making that joke as well. And I guess I just thought I'd ride that wave. I don't really know how this happened, but there's a piece oh, of... Uh... It's, that's good. It's, it's like that SpongeBob episode where like he gets known for ripping his pants. And so he starts ripping his pants himself all the time. You know, it's, it's fun to be, to be the dude that's known for something. You lean into it. <laughs> one of the comments just says Corey close your eyes oh my god <laughs> which is so funny uh, love a good visual bit on an audio podcast but there's a good high school movie story it's alright this is what I do for a living Corey I'll describe it all day right yeah 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 we're in good hands yeah so Romeo and Juliet that is, that's a good school movie we watched the Leonardo DiCaprio one the, we the might one with also guns. watched that one but I don't know. I'm going to see if I can figure out which one we watched. We did the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet. I figured this well. out pretty fast. It was from 1968. Oh, it is Olivia Hussey. <laughs> there you go. No, yeah, th that one is... Full circle, baby. That one is like super famous. Like that's shown in most, most schools. Uh, well, there you go. Oh, man. Okay, so what about you? Do you have anything like that or any movies that stick out to you? <laughs> Because of their nudity content, and they're the first oh, time I saw boobs. Because no. for that, it would be Carrie. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just, <laughs> I was gonna say high school, like or in a class or something. But also now we know that 
Yours, yours was Carrie. I don't actually have the memory of seeing Carrie and being like, whoa, like those are, that's a naked woman. Though I know <laughs> eye, I do. Your eyes popping out of here and a big foghorn going off. <laughs> I, I do know that Carrie was my first like horror movie when I was like five or six. So I have that memory. So maybe I was just so young that naked woman didn't register at all. But I know that by the time I was like 10 or 11, uh, Corey, you you shared something really personal, so I'm going to do the same here. When I was I like think really personal is putting it on pretty strong. <laughs> All right, well it's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna one up you then. This has never been spoken to a single soul before. And you're gonna do it in public? Yeah. So when I was like 10 or 11, uh, starting at that age, so this would put us at like 2006 or so. Um, my good friends year. and I, was that? I said good year. It was a good year. Yeah, it was <laughs> when I saw my first horror movie in the theaters alone, When a Stranger Calls remake coming soon to the podcast, perhaps. Um, 2006. This was before me and my friends like really figured out what the internet was or were really interested in the internet. And cable TV is still massive, 2006. And so that's where a lot of our entertainment would happen. We'd get home from school. Uh, and we'd all watch like Jungle Run together. We'd watch Maury Povich. Um, I'd watch Arthur on TV in the morning as I'm eating my Eggo waffles. But at night, at after dark, Ooh. when my friends and I were having sleepovers at my house, we would go on the cable guide. I think we actually had satellite TV, which is like cable, but more channels. And you can go to a interactive guide so you can like, click through on the movies see on the tv shows and see what's coming up during the night and stuff you don't gotta just rely on channel eight which is like a scrolling guide so we would go on the guide and we would just click around on all the movies that are playing on like scream which was an old uh horror movie channel for canadians uh in the oh yeah there was a channel just called scream oh i loved it dude uh we would check out scream we would check out like the three main movie channels that are just always playing movies uh, we would check out um i mean ytv would play movies but we wouldn't check out ytv for this specific thing because what we were looking for was we would go on a movie and we would click info and there it shows like a star rating um you know like a critic aggregate we would show the synopsis of the movie yeah i don't know exactly where they pulled it from but uh it would show the plot synopsis some cast this is how you would figure out if you wanted to watch a movie back in the day and it would also have the mpaa rating g pg 13 14a which is a thing here in canada or rated r and it would tell you why it was rated this way you know it'd have a little l for language it would have a v for violence or the holy grail it would have an n for nudity and if a movie had an n for nudity me and my 10 11 year old friends we would put on that movie didn't matter what it was and we would just watch it and wait for whatever it was that gave it that rating to happen and uh when i was 10 or 11 Carrie was one of those movies that we clicked on and it said nudity and we were like sick and I had seen the movie before the finale was very memorable to me um, but now my interests were stemming from a different place and so we clicked on it we watched it we were, we were waiting for some spice to happen and eventually uh, we get to the scene where Carrie's mom uh, uh, meets her after she has bathed all the blood off her in the tub you know, she's naked and she bathes yeah. herself. And uh, that wasn't, that was not titillating. <laughs> and then no, it got to- really, yeah, to- totally, and then, it's very off putting, actually. And then it got really not titillating when the mom pulls out the knife and comes after her. And so that is a fond memory I have of Carrie from uh, 2006, when now I was coming to it not as a horror fan, but as a a child with burgeoning sexual desires and i learned that uh not all nudity is sexy nudity and then one of your friends that day just made a a terrible discovery about themselves oh my gosh yeah if that person were to tell the story it would be very different they're telling that story to their shrink (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean uh you know who would have thought that this is what we would get from Ghoulies 3 Ghoulies Go to College? Kyle, 
to whom this episode is dedicated for being, I think, the strongest advocate for Ghoulies 3 Ghoulies Go to College. Yeah, maybe in the world. Maybe in the world. Our friend Kyle loves Ghoulies. I hope this is what you were looking for. This kind of discussion coming from Ghoulies 3 Ghoulies Go to College. (laughs) I mean, I gave him a Scream reference, so I know he's glad. Yeah, truly, because uh, I know that he already kind of was not sold on how much we would like it. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, why don't you give listeners some some background on that? Um oh boy, you might remember a little bit better than me. Let me take a run at this. Uh Ghoulies 3 is something that I believe the general gave us and I rejected it outright at the time. I forget what ended up being pulled in its place. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. We would have just hit the Genero again, so who knows what it was. Yeah, and I, I talked a bunch of shit about Ghoulies 3, and Kyle took took offense to that, to put it probably stronger than is necessary, and thought, you know what? No, I do think that you guys should check out Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Get Higher Education. And I took that as a personal challenge. And so I said, fine, when season three starts, we will. And here we are. I believe that is the correct series of events. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty much right. I'm not sure that the Ghoulies 3 rejection role and rejection was broadcast on air. I think in deciding to not do it, we just re-recorded it, did some podcast magic, and no one would ever know we rolled Ghoulies 3. I think that's what happened. Um and I I knew that Kyle loved Ghoulies 3. I, it might have actually, I might have even learned it after we rolled it and rejected it. I'm not sure. But once I learned that he he loved Ghoulies 3, once I was reminded of that, I told him that it came up on the Genero, and he's a faithful listener of the show. I told him that it came up on the Genero, and we, we pushed it aside right away. And, uh, and you know because he's become such a such a great listener to the show it it felt right not only for him but also for us it's sort of a loose end you know the genero gave us ghoulies three and and we shied away from it and maybe we shouldn't have maybe that's uh disrespectful to william castle and all he stands for so so here we are here we are so without further ado ghoulies three ghoulies go to college from 1991 Directed by John Carl Buechler. Buechler? I've heard his name before and I'm realizing only now that I do not know how to say it. John Carl Buechler. Let's go with that. Uh, He did some special effects work on Deathstalker, Reanimator, From Beyond, Robot Jocks, and Halloween 6, which we did on the show. (laughs) He is also the director of Troll 1 and Friday the 13th Part 7. And he wrote the movie Demon Warp, which you may have heard about on a Best of the Worst episode from Red Letter Media. So dude gets around. The movie, however, was written by Brent Olson. This is his only credit on IMDb, except for, I think, one or two other things that weren't really major... uh, credits on his part anyway so you know we've got a bit of a mishmash cinematographer ron schmidt uh who shot the the mist from 2007 uh oh nice the frank darabont movie right yeah i love that movie yeah um the walk a few episodes of the walking dead or at least he was on that for a couple of years uh the chicago pd tv show and a movie that we could always potentially get to someday beastmaster 2 through the portal of time Wow, have you ever heard of Beastmaster? I have not. I have. Uh, I think it's a guy that I think it's like a barbarian warrior man that can talk to animals. I think, and the portal through time gimmick seems to be like they did a Back to the Future with it, and he's he's like in the modern day TMNT three. Yeah, but reverse. (laughs) Um, Forward to the future. (laughs) It's edited by Adam Bernardi, who also worked on Beastmaster two through the portal of time. Uh, he had editing roles on The Exorcist 3 and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
Oh man, and, that and means also, he might have crafted one of the best jump scares of all time. He might have. He, he was Exorcist Three, big time yeah, editing in that scene. He was uh, an associate editor, I think, on that. He was an apprentice editor on Ferris Bueller, and he was the editor straight up for A League of Their Own. Cool. So, dude gets around. The music is by Michael Lloyd and Reg Powell. Michael Lloyd did the soundtrack for Godzilla, nineteen ninety eight. Did music on the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Worked on Dirty Dancing. Garbage Pail Kids. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Reg Powell worked on Clueless. And uh, last but not least, I ha- I'm legally required to mention this. The executive producer, one of them, is Lawrence Kasanoff, who we've done some of his movies before. But I also, know that name. He's the executive producer for the live action Mortal Kombat movies and Mortal Kombat Conquest. And I'm legally obligated to mention that. Man, I know that guy better than my own family <laughs> members at this point yeah. uh here's a list of people that you won't know better than your own family evan mckenzie plays skip carter he didn't do a ton uh after this it seems um kevin mccarthy as professor ragnar uh he's in the original invasion of the body snatchers he was also on uhf uh ava larue is aaron riddle she's in robocop 3 so we've seen her before um john johnston is jeremy one of his only imdb credits uh is that he was the camera operator for something called dan Aykroyd unplugged on ufos oh my gosh oh my god (laughs) dan Aykroyd went to our university (laughs) and uh we we've heard about his varying interests and so Corey and i have had a have have we have become one of he has become one of our varying interests so yeah, we, we keep having this discussion because neither one of us drink where we're like, do we buy a bottle of Crystal Skull vodka anyway? Just frame it. Yeah, put it in a shadow box. Just keep it all nice. Maybe we will. If somebody wants to donate money to the podcast, we'll spend it on Dan Aykroyd vodka. That'll That's be the promise. first thing we use it That's for. That's a guarantee. Absolutely, yes. Um, Patrick Labyorteau, uh is Mookie. He was in Heathers and The Last Sharknado. Uh, we've got Billy Morissette. We've got Hope Marie Carlton, who people might know from a- uh, Andy Sedaris movies. Is that that man's name? Hard Ticket to Hawaii and shit like that? No, I don't know him. Oh, oh. Um, so have you ever seen the scene that gets viral on YouTube sometimes where there is a dude skateboarding down a hill holding a sex doll? And there are two buff dudes in a Jeep and they just drive by and one of them says, he must be smoking heavy doobies. Have you ever seen that? No. Is that the one with, that has Nicolas Cage in the scene? No. No. It's no, a, then it's I got, don't know. Hope Marie Carlton's in that movie though. Um, Andy Sedaris makes like just like peak 80s low effort like action-y dumb kind of movies. But like they're kind of known in like a so bad they're really fun kind of way. Like that movie has a frisbee that has razor blades in it and a snake come out of a toilet. Oh, that's a, a great of... idea. You cool. should watch that. That movie's yeah. fun. Anyway, I'd she's in to. that. And that movie is two like directly related sequels. Uh so we could do it on the show, one of them theoretically. Mm, uh, sh- uh she's also in a nightmare on Elm Street 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dream Master. Yes. Uh, cool. Two cameos I want to mention are small roles. Kane Hodder is in this movie. I noticed him, yeah. Uh, Which man is it, in Rolling Mop Bucket. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. He's, he's, he's a hard presence to miss. And uh, maybe I was also more inclined to notice him because I knew that John Carl Buechler directed Friday 7, and that's the first Friday movie that has Kane Hodder as Jason. So oh, it's cool. cool that they brought him back. Also, speaking of Scream... Matthew Lillard is in this movie. That yeah, that is wild. And he's like one of the background frat bros, basically. He doesn't like get any individual lines. He's not important at all. He's just there. But he's instantly recognizable. Yeah, I, I totally missed him. Uh he's you, truly you broke in the, the background. Yeah. Like I was looking for him. That's the only reason I noticed. Uh to round out the cast, we've got the ghoulies. Bob Bergen, Patrick Penny, and Richard Kind, who were all huge, famous actors in their own rights, uh, do a lot of voice acting amongst the three of them, do a lot of just regular acting, too. They are out and about, very well known, and here they are 
as Rat Ghoulie, Fish Ghoulie, and Cat Ghoulie. Um, Liam, what the fuck are the Ghoulies? Can you catch me up here? I can't, Corey. Uh, fuck. Th- this is one of those. <laughs> this is one of those franchises that I actually I bring nothing to the table. I haven't seen the other Ghoulies movies, and beyond just like seeing the poster stumbling upon the Wikipedia page occasionally uh, throughout my life. I, I, I don't know anything about them. I, I figured they come from the toilet because they're in the toilet on all these posters. Um, but that's, that is all I know about Ghoulies. So Ghoulies 3 and all the lore therein was totally, totally new to me. Yeah, I don't know shit about the Ghoulies. Um, I've heard of them, evidently. But... I don't know anything about them. I don't know what their deal is. I kind of assumed they were like gremlins, but that's not entirely correct, at least by the rules of this movie. Um, I don't know if that's typical, but, you know, here we are. So let's not dwell on it, then. If we don't know anything about ghoulies, we don't know anything about ghoulies. That's life sometimes, man. You just don't know stuff about ghoulies, and then... You go to college and you uh, watch a movie that's mostly not about the ghoulies at all. Well, hey, um, college is all about new experiences, meeting new people, right? So this is this is our introduction to the ghoulies. It happened in college. That's okay. The way I would have lost my mind if in our first year film studies course, our professor showed us ghoulies through ghoulies go to college. And then we had a discussion group about it. The way I would have just been truly beside myself. Uh, and you know what? I took uh, a film class with that same professor three years later. It was called Controversial Cinema. And he never <laughs> he, he never showed Ghoulies 3 there either. So I'm starting to think maybe we have to introduce him to Ghoulies. Yeah, it sounds he was, like he doesn't know. He was slipping a little bit, potentially. Uh, I've discovered that uh, this is, out of the four Ghoulies movies, this is the one with the third fewest Ghoulies in it. Apparently, <laughs> the third fewest. That's so correct. the second most. Oh wait, no, third least. Like it's got, it's almost last in terms of the number of ghoulies that's in it. Okay. Oh wait, no, it is last. It is last. It's got the fewest <laughs> ghoulies because okay. one movie has a bunch of archival footage. There's hardly any ghoulies in this thing. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like three, and I figured there would be much more, and then when there just ended up being three, and they already like had personalities, I guess they already talked and stuff. I figured that three so, ghoulies was the norm, but you're telling me that ain't that ain't how it is. No, we could have had flying ghoulie, clown doll ghoulie, other fish ghoulie, toad ghoulie, giant ghoulie, light ghoulie, and dark ghoulie. Oh yeah, I guess. Well, I guess when you put it that Holy way, I guess there was shit. sort of four ghoulies in this movie. Uh, on a tech, uh, not according to this chart. This chart says there's three ghoulies. That uh, the ending is not a ghoulie. Apparently, does it so, say that, or we just have to assume that? We have to assume that it's not on the chart. No, well, Corey, we saw the movie. <laughs> Forget the chart. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I can't say if it's a ghoulie or not. Are you kidding? <laughs> Who am I? I guess can do it. He would know. Ghoulies 4 is all about how that last ghoulie in Ghoulies 3 isn't a ghoulie. It's actually a nilbog. It might be. It could be. We don't know. Um, So this movie is about a bunch of frats having a prank war. Well, two frats, I guess, having a prank war. Uh, And our leading man's girlfriend is sick of his shit. So she goes and hangs out with the other, like, yuppie frat that they don't like. And, uh, they have to try to win her back and also figure out what's going on with this prank war. There's a campus police officer who is patrolling the prank war and this professor who teaches a class that no one gives a shit about uh, wants to stop the frat war and kick these hooligans out of school. And so he ends up unwittingly summoning the ghoulies out of a comic book because he is, uh, according to Wikipedia at least, quote, obsessed with the occult. And uh, then the ghoulies cause some havoc, largely separate from the prank week. They're only occasionally implicated in those events. And uh, then, then, uh, then they they uh, they get fought at the end. That's ghoulies go to college. 
Yeah. Liam, did you like Ghoulies Go to College? No, 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 I didn't. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, no. <laughs> uh, I think... You sound so sad about not liking it. I am sad. I was excited to watch this movie. I really was. Uh, one, it's an introduction to a franchise I know nothing about. And so learning about something new in the horror world is exciting to me. Um, and also because... Uh, my my good friend Kyle really loves this movie, and uh, we have a lot of similar tastes. And I just, you know, you want to love stuff that your friends love. Um, it it comes basically from the era of horror movies that I really like, uh, which is the eighties. This is ninety one, but it feels pretty late eighties. Um, Skip it's... Carter is the most late eighties protagonist that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's low budget, uh, direct to video. I, I like that vibe. Um, I like that a lot of people don't talk about this movie and this franchise in general. So I just that idea of man, I'm, I'm getting into this thing, and maybe I'll be able to go to bat for it. That's exciting too. Um, yeah, so for all those reasons, I, I did really want to like this movie. And, and then when I started the movie and I saw John Carl Buechler's name at the beginning, um, that's when I realized that he did this. I, I didn't know that. And I've just come off uh, uh, watching all the Friday the 13th movies a few months ago, and I'm still really in the thick of it. I'm reading books about Friday the 13th and stuff. And um, when I watched Friday the 13th 7, which is the movie that he directed and uh also had a hand in the effects in i watched all the special features and he does some interviews there so i got familiar with him i really liked the guy i really like part seven really love the effects in that movie and and i know that he started as an effect artist i learned that from those special features so when his name popped up i was really expecting some uh great effects at the very least um but i my biggest problem with this movie is something you already alluded to and it's that the college hijinks with the humans and the college hijinks with the ghoulies is very much separate throughout nearly the entire movie um the ghoulies are mucking about all by themselves in a very comedic slapstick fashion uh, it's not even like they're killing tertiary characters, which would have been fun for me. But they're just like getting up to Looney Tunes, Gremlins 2 type hijinks. Fucking Three Stooges ass hijinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the human characters, um, it's just like a very cliche uh, prank war battle between frats. And you have a girl that feels like she's being ignored who is being ignored by our main character and our main character. He skip. He does not have any charisma for me at all. I mean, knowing Matthew Lillard was in the background just bothers me even more. Cause I just wish I could go back in time and be like, no, Matthew Lillard is your lead. This movie would be so much better if the writing was all the same. And you just had Matthew Lillard doing that part just because could he, you imagine? he's got that magnetic presence. And unfortunately I didn't feel that from this lead. And so uh, I wasn't even able to get into the cliche sort of boring college hijinks that I'm often able to get into. If I'm able to pick out one actor that I, I really dig, then I can sort of just be along for the ride. But this movie didn't quite have it. And those few actors that I did like, that would have been Eva LaRue, who plays the ignored girlfriend, and also uh, a character named Veronica, who is just very horny all the time. And, and that is uh, our friend Hope Marie Carlton from. Oh, there you that go. Movie yeah, I described right. I liked her as well, but I think that they just they they don't they don't get much, especially Veronica. Um, and so I I think this movie. Uh, from a human point of view, setting the ghoulies aside, I think it really would have benefited just from like a stronger college premise because I love my college movies and just like a, a prank war or a yank war as they call it in this movie. Why do they keep saying that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just like a locale yank thing. Yank war sounds like some other shit. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It sounds like what I did with my friends when we were 10 or 11. <laughs> um. Oh no. So yeah, the the prank war, it's just it's like sitcom level uh 
depth to it. I much would have preferred something that would have been equally as cliche, but I think it would have led for a bit more attachment to the characters. And that would just be like a character showing up to college, Teen Wolf 2 style. They're new here. They're meeting people, figuring out the college, uh, figuring out like relationships, kind of dipping a bit into this is the college experience. This is relatable. Uh, if you went to college or it's just relatable if you've basically kind of been a, a ghoulie out of water in any sort of place and and then stemming off from there incorporating the ghoulies into that i would have liked that but as is it just feels like two totally different movies um one of them very flat cliche that's the frat stuff and then the other one i'll talk about the ghoulies for a second uh ghoulies just really let me down here i think the effects honestly of the ghoulies like looks very very wooden um and just as a still frame it looks okay like they've got a lot of texture to them but the way they actually move and do various tasks it looks a whole lot like this is just like a puppet show um and then the things they get up to are not interesting at all i was under the impression that this would be uh, a horror movie comedy horror for sure but i thought it would be like gremlins where there are actually stakes happening like in that gremlins movie um, what you weren't invested in prank week no not at all (laughs) and in the original gremlins uh, the gremlins they kill some people. They don't kill as many people as was originally planned in the script, but you feel the stakes because characters like uh, they're getting tied up, they're getting assaulted and, uh, and sometimes they actually are dying and, and, and that's a PG horror movie. And um, so I thought these ghoulies were actually going to be going after people, um, but they actually just like make a mess a whole lot of the time. And that's (laughs) it. And, uh, they have some lines which really threw me off that the ghoulies talked and and once I, I I have a sneaking suspicion they didn't always talk. Yes, I read afterwards that this is the first movie they talked in. That was so a you're m- absolutely miscalculation right. on the part of uh John Carl. I I, but I think, guess on Brent Olson's part. I think so well. And having not seen those first two Ghoulies movies and hearing that they didn't talk in those, okay, it, it sort of makes sense to me that you're in the third one, you're gonna do something different, they're gonna talk. That's fine. But the way they talk in this movie, I'm gonna I look back on the movie and it feels like they didn't talk at all. The only thing that reminds me that they talked is that every single line they said was just like annoying. And I'm like, why was that said? And it's so weirdly mixed. It's all in the background and kind of hard to hear. And they're just talking over each other a lot. And it's just like zingers and like weird bits. It's so confusing. Exactly. And so when I look back on like later installments of Friday or sorry, of when I look back on later installments of Nightmare on Elm Street, where Freddy is talking a lot more and he's doing those zingers and those one liners, I don't like them. I'm not uh, typically I don't like them. Um, I'm not a big fan of that sort of comedy of that sort of horror of that sort of Freddy. But I look back on those movies and I still remember that this is part of his character. This is who he is. I can remember lines that stick out that I identify with the movie. And so I think, okay, well, at least it's not a waste power. Exactly. It's not a waste. It's there for someone. But this movie, I feel like the talking is like totally, uh, it, it feels so useless. It seems like it's only there to like bug me while the movie is on. But then when the movie is over, I'm like, what point did any of that talking serve? And so uh, those are a few things that I really didn't like about the movie. They all sort of add up to me not digging this movie at all. I think the movie kind of finds its footing in the last 20 minutes and that's where i found the most fun with it but it, it was tough to tough to save and i don't think it did get saved what about you Corey? yeah i will say the only thing i can remember the ghoulies doing that required talking was just being horny they were like the, the ghoulies are really horny and i don't know why they are but they are yeah i mean we also had veronica being so horny so maybe there's like some she's entitled sort of... she's like a person who can do that and like there are other people around they're just like why are the ghoulies horny for people for starters 
Well, I don't know, man. Ghoulies rights. They have the right to be yeah, horny. Yeah, I don't they, want to shame the ghoulies, but like, I just could have lived without hearing them ogle people, I guess. Um, can I quote Kyle? Absolutely, yeah. He would love so, it. So Kyle said to Liam, still feel a bit bad that Corey has to check it out. Lol. Um, and then you had mentioned that I had already seen it. You told him that Mitch was not going to be here. He got, like we said, Mitch has a doctor's note to get out of school because of this terrible heat. Uh, and then Kyle said, that poor man, he would not like it. I like it because it's some special level of stupid. That, my friend, is an apt description. This movie is some special level of stupid. However, I imagine reactions to that may not always be the same, and your mileage will vary on what you get out of that stupidity. I, for one, got absolutely nothing. Um, ah, shoot. This was agony Oh, from, like, start to stop. Um, even at the end, like, I was, like, falling asleep by the end of the movie. I was, like, I was out of it. Uh... There is, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. I could see this movie maybe being fun to watch in a group because you can just sort of like take the piss out of it as you're watching it. Like, you know, have a bit of commentary going and just have a good time. And, you know, it's light, it's easy to watch. I get it. Uh, But just sitting down and like watching it as a person whose job it is to like talk about movies when we do this, I have, I do not have a lot to say. Um, a couple of like the raw Looney Tunes as hijinks, like a like a big bomb rolling over to a guy and exploding, and he's fine, but he's just covered in ash now. That's funny. That's always going to be funny, I think. But uh, boy, howdy, I do not enjoy the ghoulies and uh, what they have to do and say, uh, which is mostly be annoying and drink a lot of beer and talk over each other. And they do look wooden and weird. I kind of had higher expectations for that. Uh effects wise um there isn't a single memorable thing about any of the actual primary characters uh you don't care about what's happening you don't care if they get back together you don't care about who wins prank week um stories are basically happening like independently of each other without a lot of real like follow through i didn't i did not enjoy my time with ghoulies 3 ghoulies go to college i wish i could have skipped this movie (laughs) wish i had a doctor's note for this one (laughs) wish i could have professor ragnard this movie i also don't have a lot to say about ghoulies three um uh like I, i can't remember the music uh I liked the music. Um, it's got like fucking weird xylophone shit. Like it's, it's very kooky music. It is very kooky. That's a great word. Right at the beginning, it starts off and it has like this sort of circus like music right. that you would associate maybe with also like 50s horror comics brought to life, like Tales from the Crypt type stuff. And and I liked that. It set the tone for this is going to be campy, goofy horror tinged stuff so I, I i did like that but but uh maybe i had to be careful what i wished for because by the time it it became campy and, and goofy horror tinged stuff is honestly putting it really lightly i think just more horror would have sold it for me because the comedy here is like it's like toddler stuff the humor in this movie i mean this movie this is, is piss humor for babies it is dude like this is <laughs> It's it's rated R, and I've read that the other Ghoulies movies preceding this one were PG-13. This movie is rated R, and it's only rated R as far as I can tell because there's some naked women in this movie uh, from the from the waist up. Um, this is the sort of movie, like, this was made specifically for me at 10 or 11 years old flipping through the TV guide. <laughs> but nowadays, I wanted some violence in this movie, uh... And it could be goofy. I didn't want to be scared by Ghoulies 3, but there is so little actual horror in this movie. I think there's it's maybe... It's not a horror movie. It no, just isn't. It no, just isn't. There's, there's maybe two death scenes in this movie. Um, 
And, uh, and one of them is a man getting stuffed in a toilet. And I liked that effect. I thought it was funny <laughs> how his leg was like up past his head. Uh, that's sort of the, just the, that sort of clever effect that that does a lot for your imagination. But I think this movie really needed a lot more uh, wild effects, uh, killing perhaps. Um, just because like the pacing for me is so off. Jumping back and forth between the ghoulie stuff and the college stuff and the fact that they are not melded together for basically the entire movie until the last 10 minutes or so when they're just smushed together. I felt like there was so little refuge in this movie. Like I'm uninterested in the kids and And I'm uninterested in the ghoulies. And so we're going back and forth and it's not even the sort of thing with like anthology movies is like new year's eve perhaps which both you and i agree <laughs> that that's a terrible movie but we still had a favorite segment in that movie and then when that segment came on i was sort of like okay at least we're here right now but this movie while not an anthology movie it does feel very distinct uh um in these these two storylines that are happening and i just found little enjoyment in either one and the fact that they weren't interacting at all was really frustrating to me because i felt like at least if they interacted even though i'm not liking the disparate parts if they had interacted then maybe it would allow the space for some some gags to happen that are more interesting but it felt like it was afraid to do that and uh so right, it just like, became so bland yeah it's not a joke to not to watch puppets pretend to drink a bunch of beer right like that's yeah. not a joke oh that's just boring and a waste of my time like if we're at least going to do this have them interact with people more and i get that this may be harder to shoot but yeah, know, it's, man. We we gotta you gotta figure something out to do with them. That's not just cordoning them off to be separate from the people and the like consequences of their actions mildly escalate escalate this prank war, but then also mostly don't. Um, there just has to be more than that. Never never mind the fact that also the human interactions are weak too. Like this rivalry is not interesting, and most of these actors are not compelling. So. One of these two things has to pick up the slack, and neither of them does. So you're you're just left with nothing. Um, the only other joke that even comes to mind is, that made me kind of laugh is a how relentlessly horny Veronica is and how tired her boyfriend is, but also that a lot of it's apparently not sex and is exercise equipment yeah that, that's kind that of is, a good bit that's that not is too funny bad. <laughs> and like and like every time you see them they're in a different position yeah it, it reminded me of one of my favorite jokes from a comedy movie called they came together and it's uh that that was funny that felt like it was like a parody of sex scenes in horror movies where it's just going on for so long and it's so over the top that i i thought that was funny as well and i thought the actress that did veronica was very charming the actress who played veronica the actress <laughs> the guy who did veronica is different actor but um (laughs) yeah and i gotta say like this movie really needed to make a decision between we're gonna do like the the college comedy goof-em-up movie or we're gonna do the movie that's got ghoulies in it and make a decision and then make that movie and it decided to try to do both and in effect did neither right yeah and i think if you're gonna do both you just gotta do some more planning here but this sort of feels like uh the often maligned jason takes manhattan which is the friday the 13th that came right after john carl buchler's one that one he's supposed to be in new york but uh they weren't able to shoot in new york um and the (laughs) new york stuff shoot it there that's so funny yeah they shot it in (laughs) vancouver and even then even then they they weren't able to shoot in the city as much as they wanted and so so funny so how has vancouver played new york at least twice because rumble in the bronx was also shot in vancouver (laughs) i know eh? i I think it's pretty common i guess just because of price and stuff mountains i know you just uh, point the camera away from them (laughs) there's no mountains in jason takes manhattan my point is that jason takes manhattan comes out it turns out they have this idea we're gonna take this jason character and we're gonna put it in this other setting that you wouldn't expect it to be in but oh no we actually don't have the budget to do what we wanted to do but we're committed to doing this thing it's a good title 
Jason takes Manhattan, good title. Ghoulies go to college, good title. And so what are we going to do? Okay, well, we'll just sort of dance around it. We'll put... Ghoulies go to night school. We'll put... Didn't have the same ring to it. We'll put... Ghoulies go to Kumon. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So so we're going to put Jason on a boat for most of the runtime. And in Ghoulies go to college, we're going to put the Ghoulies in an office with this Kevin McCarthy character and just put like all of our chips on the fact that kevin mccarthy uh this older actor who who has some some wild like stage chops we're just gonna let him go wild and hope that that is enough for people and for some people it i i'm it absolutely is but for me i just wanted like more set pieces more rung from the uh the college conceit like ghoulies at a house party ghoulies crashing a class ghoulies at uh the college's stage play ghoulies at the cafeteria stuff like that and uh where's our american pie presents ghoulies right yeah and and maybe i'm asking too much because like all that said i like jason takes manhattan and here i am saying that it does the same thing so it it's it's sort of tough and it just it does depend on the way things uh the way things happen on screen and the way that they happen here it just feels like there's really very little uh tact even within those budgetary constraints like i think jason takes manhattan has a lot of notable set pieces besides uh even in spite of the constraints that they had but ghoulies three doesn't exactly have it there's some of the stuff that i did like that that will be notable for me is the the mega ghoulie at the end possibly not even a ghoulie but it's like a final boss ghoulie that's blended it's the ghoulie and it's kevin mccarthy so it's like a human ghoulie um and i i thought that was a really cool effect but the way it's all built up where we have evil aru's character tied to a table like this is like uh the 50s batman or something it feels so silly especially because a lot of the movie has ignored that relationship um between evil aru and uh the main skip clark character and not even ignored it in a way where like this is what it takes for them to get back together but it feels absolutely pushed to the side in terms of storytelling and this movie is more interested in having like bros doing practical jokes on each other and that just felt like it went so long so within the final 20 minutes when it actually does start to feel like a movie where we have characters coming together their relationships are established like how the character Mookie fell out with our main character they were bros and now they've fallen out I thought that was okay I thought that was a cool development and then we also have the estranged girlfriend uh giving the main character a second chance and he's trying to win her over again and so they're working together and now the ghoulies are coming after them by the last 20 minutes of the movie like um in the last 20 minutes and on i actually thought this movie was starting to pick up steam but um everything that came before that even thinking back in hindsight uh now that I'm impressed by the last 20 minutes, I, I can't take that and think, well, uh, it all ended up leading to this, or maybe there was more going on in that first hour than I thought there was, because I'm thinking it through, and it really didn't feel like that. Um, though I, I, I've got to say that this style of like comedy humor, slapsticky Looney Tunes stuff isn't my thing anyways. Like Gremlins 2, the new batch, is a super acclaimed comedy horror movie a very acclaimed sequel um and that is just not my sort of movie i i really don't like that movie and i love the first gremlins and the gremlins too just like with all these visual gags and slapstick humor and like these little creatures uh, just getting up to hijinks it's not really my thing um and and that's a movie that has a much higher budget i would say has a much more uh, much more capable actors in it has a much stronger direction everything in that movie is stronger and so the fact that I still don't like it and that uh, kind of just explains maybe why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling about this one yeah I mean I don't even have a lot more to say about it you've kind of you've said a lot and also just yeah just 
it didn't work. I didn't like watching it. It was it was bad. It was a bad time. I do like some of the camera work when they're doing the zanier stuff. That kind of goes with like the the weird carnival tone of the music. Kind of got a bit of a bit of a fun thing going in there. But yeah, I don't know. Not for me. And I, I couldn't help but feel like this movie would have benefited from me having seen the past two. And that's not a story thing like this movie. Uh, but just um, like knowing like I was ghoulies. lost. But yeah, knowing the ghoulies, um, because right when this movie starts and the ghoulies do show up, they're already talking and they're presented like it's not with any sort of... Uh, reverence like they're just there sort of like in teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 where it's like fuck you you know this is a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie we're not gonna build it up at all and they're just slapped on screen that's what's happening here as well and so that put me off um and then beyond that the fact that it's the ghoulies are talking in this movie and um this movie just comes across in terms of tone as if the audience knows what they're in for. And that's a totally fair approach to take with a sequel. I think uh, Scream 3 does that as well. It it relies on the audience having been there before. And so we're going to do these little tweaks and ratchet things up. And your familiarity with the last movies and that tone, it's going to make this more effective one way or the other. Because there are so many people that hate Scream 3 because of what they do to the franchise. Um, and then there are people like me and Corey who uh, uh, are right and love that movie and um <laughs> i'm just kidding but uh so with this movie as well it's just like so wacky and throws you like right into it in media res and then there's also so little story that like you're already supposed to be into the ghoulies and so i've just got to think that if i had seen the other two and had that familiarity if not fondness then i would have stronger feelings for this movie one way or the other um but just jumping in at ghoulies 3 it didn't leave much of an impression on me and i i feel like that might be the same thing for people who hadn't seen scream 1 and 2 and just jumped in on scream 3 um so it it might just be a a sequel problem as well and i've maybe i've I've got to say that i am uh god help me i am interested in the previous two ghoulies movies god Uh, help me one because i've learned that they don't talk uh and i didn't like their talking two because you've told me that there's more ghoulies in it that sounds fun and three i've learned that the second ghoulies movie takes place at like a like a amusement park ride carnival type thing and that sounds fun to me so i i very well might have updated thoughts on ghoulies the ghoulies at might some stand point. a chance still <laughs> yeah that's true but my introduction to the ghoulies not super good but there was also a time when i didn't like scream 3 so you know all of this all of this can change maybe this will be my scream 3 we've all been wrong before <laughs> um my recommendation is just to have everybody go watch Scream 3. I'm just going to recommend that again until people do it and like it. Uh, and Kyle's recommendation to us is to watch Ghoulies 3 and just do it until we like it. <laughs> so, you know, fate works both ways, I guess. Uh, so here's my question for you now. Can William Castle get us out of this mess? Or are we just going to... We're taking really taking our fate into our own hands here, but... Uh, perhaps against my better judgment, I would like to ask you to tell me how many movies are in the William Castle film genre. Oh my gosh. We're putting it in William Castle's hands. It's coming back, Corey, the genero. Yeah, it's time. I think, I think we have to, um, William Castle gave us this. We rejected him and we paid for it dearly. And so it's time to figure out if, uh, we have, you know, if we've done enough to appease that wronging or if he's going to make us pay a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, oh, it's been a while. I got to wipe the dust off this list. Okay. So we have 336 items to choose from. It's a good number. It's a good round number. You can divide it by two. Easily. Wait, let me, uh, let me amend that. Let uh-huh. me remove Ghoulies three. So, presumably 335 a nice odd number uh actually no because who knows what's going on with this list uh it automatically updates 325 
25 it's not 35 no i guess maybe i i had actually put ghoulies three on 10 times for my boy kyle i don't <laughs> well, know what that's are. all about yeah let's, let's see. just we'll do a cool 325 <sighs> big money no skeletons three two one spin okay so no it's a ghoulies big stop okay no ghoul I, I didn't say no ghoulies oh shit that's a, see. Maybe it would Fuck. be me too mean to make that the season three catchphrase. Fuck. What is it? Um, one seventy-seven. Is that like your unlucky number or something? I was saying fuck because I didn't say no ghoulies and we might be <laughs> ghoulies again. Okay. Uh, one seventy-seven. You say yes. And as per, we'll we'll hear what was on either side of it as well. Sure. So. Right beneath it, 178, is a movie that I was actually going to add to the Genero two days ago. And then before I added it, I for once decided to do a little a little search to see if it was on here. And it was at 178. Uh, so I was just thinking about this movie for whatever reason. Uh, and 178 would have been The Equalizer 2. Oh, like the new one? Like the Denzel movie? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. And uh, 176 was going to be Beowulf from like 2008 the or animated something. one? Yeah. Okay. Man. Those are two weird... This is a weird section of the genre. And 177, Corey, is, is also pretty weird. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's out of our wheelhouse. This might be more of a Mitch movie, but I think this might have been added before Mitch came... Oh, it would have been for sure if it's 170. Well, well, when Mitch gave us his list of five or so movies, I sprinkled them throughout the list to give him more of a chance. So this might be a sprinkler. I'm not sure if this was a Mitch. Let's see. Uh, 177, Corey, is A Star is Born from 1954. Oh, wait, that's a Mitch pick for sure. There's no way. Wait, okay, hang on. Hold on. Is that not the first... That's not the first version of that movie somehow? No, it's not. Was, yeah. it's That, that one James has been... James Mason is back! <laughs> that one has been made another many times. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of... J- is this James Mason? Mo- this movie's three hours. Might be... Uh, might have to reserve two sittings for this guy. Okay. IMDb tells me it's two and a half. Whoa, I have a tight sketch coming up. This is going to be at a challenge. Why well, hey, you you triumphed over the Ghoulies 3 challenge. I believe you can do it again. Okay, interesting. I I find I just find it surprising that it's not the new one. <laughs> yeah, funny. I I don't know if that was Why a Mitch suggestion. That? <laughs> again, that might have just been because it was a Mitch or it might just be because I was trying to get a deeper cut that people might not think about because people know that I think people know that Barbara Streisand did one in like the 70s. And then people obviously know the new one. So Barbara Streisand's pretty cool. I I could get down with some Barbara Streisand, but it's not what we got. So maybe next time. Maybe Maybe season four. A Star is Born will be a tradition because there's enough to do them. Okay. I wasn't expecting that at all. It's a bit of a curveball. Well, you get what you generoed, Corey. I don't know what William Castle's trying to tell us. Be careful what you genero for. I, I, I wish I could tell, but I simply can't. Um, with that, with that said, let's. Uh, I guess we can just get out of here and just sort of, you know, study the history books for a bit. See what S- we need to learn. Start watching this movie ten minutes at <laughs> a time for the next week. <laughs> Honestly, you might not even be that far off. It's going to be a tight squeeze. Um, but yeah, so while we go do that, uh, do you have anything you would like to plug? Yeah, I do. I got something unique this time, actually. Um, recently I recorded a podcast with a friend of mine from the horror community named Andred. He has a great podcast called Freaks and Psychos, a disability in horror podcast. And that's what it's all about. It's about disability in horror. Uh, and it, that comes up in many different topics, many different movies. If you just scroll through the episodes he's done since last September, you'll likely see something that interests you. And I appeared on that show to talk about my job, actually, which is writing described video for movies and TV. Um, and so we had a nice discussion about... Uh, 
horror movies, disability and horror movies. And then the meat of the episode is about my work doing described video uh, in general and then specifically in horror movies. And then we capped it off with a discussion of a movie that we both watched with described video turned on on Netflix. And we talked about the described video in that movie. We watched Gerald's Game from 2017. I think it was a year of that. Um, and so if you're interested in any of those sorts of things, disability, horror movies, accessibility, um, described video in particular, uh, or you just want to hear me talk some more, you guys can check out that episode. It'll be on the Freaks and Psychos, A Disability in Horror podcast feed. Um, maybe we can throw that in the show notes or something. And other than oh, that... Absolutely. We'll We'll tweet it. We'll put it in the description of this episode. It'll be it will be readily available. Sweet. And other than that, uh, the reg you guys can find my film writing alter ego Graham the Haunted Marshmallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other podcasts I do, MK Podquest, with uh, our friend Neil, where we're talking about Mortal Kombat stuff. Typically, uh, this week we are actually ironically talking about mortal Kombat again because we are in the midst of a four-part crossover episode extravaganza with a few other cartoons but mortal Kombat is back and you can find that at mk podquest everywhere on the internet you can find me on twitter and letterbox at mr Corey price i think did i say that already i don't know um it sounded like you were going to tell me, but I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was, but then you, you got to, I don't know, before I could. <laughs> uh, well, either way, uh, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everywhere else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your concept for a new ghoulie to introduce in Ghoulies 5. Ghoulies Take Manhattan. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, it's a Mitch episode again next week. We're heading back to the 50s. Um, they made another one? 